Good morning and welcome to Ask Andy. This is a daily podcast about personal injury practice in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I'm Andrew Newworth. You can reach me at newworthlaw, N-E-U-W-I-R-T-H-L-A-W.com. And there are phone numbers and all that good stuff. You can find me on Facebook. Send me a request for whatever you want on Facebook. Connect with me on LinkedIn and all the good social stuff out there. So... Today I want to just run through with you what I usually say to clients in an initial interview. And I'm sorry if I have a little bit of a cold today. But, you know, usually most people I deal with have not had a case before, have not dealt with lawyers before, and they don't really know what it means, you know, what the experience is going to be like and what they're going to get out of it. You know, so most people just know that they're hurt and it wasn't their fault. And that's usually what brings me to your door. And people come to my office, but usually I go to meet with people because in their homes because they're hurt and the last thing they need is to make an appointment to come see me. So, you know, usually I show up and after a little bit of small talk, you know, I kind of try and explain the following. Like there's, in any lawsuit, you know, the broad brush strokes are as follows. There are two parts of every case. One is, did someone do something wrong? And the other is, were you hurt as a result? And that's pretty much it. Usually, I'm not going to come talk to you if we're in question as to who did something wrong. <laughs> you know, usually you're hit T-boned by a car, or you fell in a hole, or, you know, someone, you know, someone's dog bit you. You know, I'm not going to come talk to you if there's a question as to whether you were really at fault or not. So... Usually the first part of the conversation is pretty easy. You know, the two parts of the case are, was someone negligent? And two, was someone hurt? Usually you can answer both those questions pretty simply. So negligence and damages. That's, you know, what makes a case. As a lawyer, you know, we don't want to fight cases where both negligence and damages are questionable. So I don't want to fight... You know, if the light was yellow or red or, you know, someone maybe might say you're at fault. And by the way, you have a pre-existing condition. You know, those are not good cases because the client's not going to be happy and I'm not going to be successful with cases like that. So that doesn't make sense. So the first part of the case, first part of the discussion with the client is, you know, was someone at fault and what are the damages? Usually it's pretty, you know easy to say who was at fault and sometimes the damages especially in you know car crashes the damages are they take a little longer time to develop because your body reacts it heals and then you're left with some injury or you're not there are cases where there is a question about whether the negligence of the person who hurt you caused your damages maybe you had a pre-existing condition totally unrelated, um, but that's a harder case and that's a more complicated discussion. So usually that's the first part. Was someone hurt and are there damages? What's the second thing we discuss? It's really important to me and it should be important to you that we are honest with each other. It's an attorney-client relationship, meaning I can't disclose anything you tell me without your permission and you know whatever you say to me is said to me in confidence. But at the same time, if you tell me, whew, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't in that car that when I got hurt, well, you know, what am I going to do with that information? 
I'm not going to pursue your case, first of all, but it's important that, you know, you and I have a, a relationship of trust because you may not know me that well. Some friend of yours may have sent me to you saying Andrew's a good lawyer or the internet may have sent me to you saying, you know, come look at this lawyer. He's got good reviews and he's been successful for people, but really you don't know me that well. So, you know, it's important that we trust each other. The relationship between attorney and client is a two-way street. I wasn't there. I don't know what happened. I need to trust you that you're telling me the truth about what happened and about your injuries. And you need to trust me that I have some idea of what I'm talking about and that I know what I'm doing and I have your interests ahead of my own interests. So what does that mean? Well, it's important, one, that you're comfortable that I know what I'm doing. But more importantly, the trust part comes in when the case is heading towards settlement and it's your decision as the client whether the case settles or not. It's not my decision. I can't sign the paper saying, yeah, I, I give up my right to pursue this case further in exchange for $30,000. The trust comes in when you need to believe that over the course of the case, I've been fair and straight and honest with you as you have been with me, and that we are both going to agree that this is the right number to settle this case or not. So, you know, it's my job to advise you that I think this is about what the case is worth and that you should take this offer or not. I'm not going to punch you in the nose and tell you you got to take this, and it's not my job. It's really not my privilege to, to settle a case without your permission. So... That's the first part of the conversation is like, what happened? Who was hurt? What are your injuries? Two, you got to be honest with me. You got to trust me. A lot of people say, should I miss, you know, should I stay out of work to make, you know, the question is often posed to me, like, should I, should I stay out of work? And, and the true question is, like, should I stay out of work to make my case look better? And the answer is always no. Your case is going to take a year to two years to go from start to finish. Do you want to be out of work for one to two years? No. Does being out of work for three weeks or six weeks in the course of two years make your case seem stronger? No. Is anyone going to hand you that money back that you lost from your wages by not showing up to work? Uh, no. So now you may get more money, you know, you may get $30,000 down the road, and that may be a chunk of your salary, but it's not going to be designated as you know, paying you back for your sick time, paying you back for your lost wages, paying you back for your time out of work, uh, all that other cash in hand type stuff. So that's the next thing is don't, you know, lose time from work if you don't actually need it. You know, if a doctor writes you out of work, do you have to stay out of work? Yeah, you know, I recommend you follow your doctor's orders. But there are some people who can't miss their jobs for any reason whatsoever. So they struggle through the job. Does it make their case look worse? No, I think a jury or another lawyer will ultimately say this is a person who takes their job seriously or doesn't have the flexibility or the financial wherewithal to skip work. End of story. They didn't have a choice. Yeah, they're banged up, but no, they couldn't miss work. So that's part three. The other thing is, like, don't go on social media and broadcast, you know, crazy stuff about yourself or make yourself look like you're doing great if you're not. It's just, you know, a recipe for disaster because it's projecting on social media 
something that's not true, that you're not hurt. When And then you're going to come around and try and say that you are hurt, but you have all these pictures showing you're not hurt or your own statements saying you're not hurt. So those are some of the important initial things. The other thing is that, you know, for the most part, you need to understand and appreciate that following your doctor's orders is important. And if you disregard your doctor's orders, then you're probably not going to get better as quickly. And if you stop going to treatment, then most likely it's going to look to the lawyer for the insurance company and to a jury that you're healthy, that you're fully fixed. You may not be, but you got to at least follow the doctor's orders. If the doctors say to keep treating or they say you need more treatment, then you need to follow up. Now, there are situations where people get to, you know, what's called baseline or maximum medical improvement or whatever you want to call it. There are people who just don't get better. Like I have a guy who, you know, his ankle's never going to move fully like his ankle did before his accident. So, you know, no doctor's telling him to keep treating. He's come to his maximum medical improvement. So, you know, those are kind of the big things I discuss often. The other thing is legal fees, and I've talked about that in other podcasts, and I'll talk about that on another date or time. Um, At that point, you know, usually we we get to know each other a little bit. Usually I have you sign some HIPAA forms, which are just medical releases, so I can get your records without needing to ask you every time to sign a release. And then we sign a retainer or contingency fee agreement where, you know, basically the terms are, are... laid out for you, um, and I'll discuss my contingency fee agreements in another podcast. All right, I hope you have a great day, and uh, this has been Ask Andy. I hold people accountable.